Sometimes you just got to hit record and sometimes you got to look up the camera and go, I got Andrews and Wilson here. What's going on, guys? Hey, Jason. Good to see you again, brother. Welcome to the Protector Season 3, Episode 40-something. I Your went, guests, went by fast, kind of, right? Uh, yeah. I don't even know what's going on anymore. Sometimes <laughs> like the interviews are kind of blending and I'm like, didn't I see you two like last year or the year before? No, nah, I love having you two on. How you been? Good. How you been? I have been great. How have you been? (laughs) Hey, before we get on to how we've been and everything else going on in the world, I just want to tell everybody out there, this episode is brought to you by Bonefrog Cellars and Bonefrog Coffee. Now, we got a very special world-breaking announcement or world-class announcement coming on later in the show, but we'll talk about uh, something else right now. But I just want to tell you, this episode is brought to you by Bonefrog Cellars and Coffee Makers. Why do I like those guys? Well, for one, they donate to five separate charities. They kind of rotate them around uh, from the Navy SEAL Foundation to all sorts of things, supporting the community. So please take a pause. Go check out Bonefrog. Thank you. So here we are. Let's talk books now. Yeah, absolutely. We got it. We got plenty of books to talk about these days, right? You, uh, I, you know, I don't even know what's going on with you two anymore. Every we time I, we, we can't talk logistically, I can tell you that we have no idea. <laughs> like uh, I'm over here, like scribbling notes about like right before the uh, the interview started. I'm like, okay, which book are we talking about? And uh, yeah, Sons of Valor, Chunk. I yeah. I I love this series. I love the Audible. I tell everybody all the time, like when I rock or do anything with the audible and I turn it on, it's like, I'm in a movie. So you guys bringing chunk to life to his own book. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So we're really excited because, you know, chunk Keith Redman at the time, Lieutenant commander Keith Redman, I think he might even have been in 03 when we introduced him. I can't remember, but he was a minor character in the tier one series. He's appeared in several books in that series, uh, him and a couple of his teammates And even though he played a pretty minor role, it was crazy how much feedback we got. Like we got almost as much feedback on him from readers uh, as we do for the main characters, Grimes and Dempsey and those guys. They just he just resonated with people. Uh, And it had always been our plan to address the, you know, elephant in the room, the burning question, the premise of tier one being, you know, what would happen if the entire JSOC SEAL team got wiped out and one guy survived and could change his identity and hunt down the people responsible. But that raises the immediate question, well, then how would you fill that void? Eventually, they would have to stand up this JSOC SEAL team, uh, which is a lot of fun for a number of reasons that we'll talk about. But this is the perfect opportunity to give Chunk and his boys their own series. So whereas Tier 1 is this super secret task force universe uh, that we have in Ember, in Sons of Valor, we're able to uh, just do straight up tier one level SEAL team action, Chunk and his boys. Uh, what would it be like to start up a team from scratch, for example, right? The whole team's wiped out. So there's no mentors. Everybody's green. Everybody goes through green team together and they have to somehow meld and, and conduct operations. So we're just really, really excited to sort of go back to our roots, get into the SEAL team action, the tier one SEAL team action with Chunk and the boys. You know, that is, I was going to ask you that exact question. I was like, okay, you know, everything in like the Dempsey worlds and in a lot of the other books, you have these super secret cells, 
you know, it's a group of five or six people and they have support when they need it. But, but going back to that, you know, that, that JSOC time, you know, got dev group and got everything else going on there. And I really like that concept. And when you just brought up like, wow, they did wipe out all of uh seal team six. So where do you get mentors from and where do you pull them from? Huh? I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, man. Yeah, no, we're, we're really excited about the series and it is, it feels very much like the opening of tier one, right? So when you go back to that first book, six books ago, and you first meet Dempsey when he's with his original crew, um, there's this very organic, authentic feeling, you know, and it's different. This active duty Ta- you know, different from the task force mentality, right? It's very, very Navy, very special operations feel. And that is a challenge. And, you know, one of the reasons that we went down the task force funny hole with, you know, John Dempsey sort of leading the charge, like, you know, your Jack Reacher, your Mitch Rack characters, it's very empowering as an author to give a, a main character all the spotlight you give them agency, they can do what they want. They can be that rogue player. And, you know, readers definitely latch on to that. It's a bigger challenge. And I don't know if we could have done it maybe earlier in our career, we needed to have a bunch of books under our belt before we can go back to saying, okay, you know, how do we tell the story about a character who doesn't have this deep, dark, tragic background? He's not falling to pieces. He doesn't have skeletons in the closet. He's a guy who's dialed in, loves his job, wants to serve his country. How do you make that type of guy interesting and carry a series? Um, you know, you bring up a lot of really good points because reading fiction as a kid, I like to read fiction that could be kind of realistic and I could kind of put myself in their shoes like, okay, you know, special forces, this, that, whatever, uh, infantry dudes or not like this, like super, you know, super soldier type thing with task forces and, oh my gosh, they're drunk or they got some sort of addiction problem or then they clean up and someone died. You know, it, sometimes it's just nice to say, hey, you know what, this dude's badass. He's an operator and he wants to go out there and operate with a bunch of other cool people. And, and that's what they want to do. That's what they want their job to be. In the pre-interview, when we were just talking a little bit ago, you brought up a really good point. It's like having, we're all, we all served. We know so many people that served. It never really felt like a sacrifice to me. And sometimes you just like doing what you're doing. I mean, like, it's not always like you're giving up your life to serve your country. It's, it's kind of like, uh, I like the idea of like, you know, there are people out there who like going closing with and destroying the enemy. Training to close with and destroy the enemy. Training and closing with the enemy to protect America, yeah. whether here or abroad. I mean, there are, that is like the, the pinnacle of a military person's career. Not sitting back and conus and going, hmm, can I get my GI Bill now? No, it's like, hey, I want to go out and kill some bad guys. Yeah, that's a, it's a really good point. And it's sort of, we, we wondered as we received all of these emails and stuff about Chunk and how much people loved him, we wondered, you know, why is that? Because in this Chunk character, we wrote sort of an everyman, like he's an amalgam of a lot of the team guys that we've served with, who he just loves what he does. Like he loves being a SEAL. He's not a sociopath. He doesn't love killing, 
He loves serving and he loves his teammates and he loves the brotherhood. And, and the question that we had to ask as writers is that's real. And that's why they relate to him. But can that carry a hero's journey? Is that, is that enough to carry a character through the arc of a hero's journey to make a real story that people will relate to? And so we had some pretty intentional conversations about, you know, is this a little risky to take somebody and, and not do that traditional, you know, uh, tragic backstory kind of hero? And in the end, we decided that it, it could be done, especially in a setting like Sons of Valor, because in Sons of Valor, it's Chunk is our main character for sure, but we have a cast of characters. This is really, whereas tier one is about Dempsey and his team, this is about a team led by Chunk. And so you really do see it as a team dynamic. And so you can flesh out some of those other, you know, typical hero's journey stuff through the eyes of other characters. Um, we've, we also have the opportunity here to address things you can't in the tier one series. You know, those guys are living in a knock. Well, here they come home from mm -hmm. deployment. They have a shore tour. They've got wives, they've got kids. And so we can blend in some of those exciting elements too, of the impact that that has on family, on normalcy, on getting your kids to school. And, you know, quite frankly, the important question of, you know, what is that service like? Um, you know, we had a great conversation with uh, Jen and Tom Satterley actually earlier today about the All Secure Foundation that they run, an amazing organization. And that's what they focus on. It's like, you know. Hold on a second. Right there. Everybody pause. Take a second. Go check out Tom and Jen Satterley at All Secure Foundation. I know I sound like a big commercial during this, but there's so many people that we're associated with. We know through certain other people that are really doing great things. So go pause. We'll be yeah. here all day. Yeah. Jen and Tom Satterley, All Secure Foundation. And that's an important one because they answer that question. What is the impact that it has on family, on, on wives and on kids? And that's what their, their uh, charity is focused on. But as a writer writing fiction, Brian and I talked at length about how exciting it would be to be able to develop those relationships, not just the marital relationships, but the relationships between Chunk, who's a single guy, and his teammates who are married. How does that change the dynamic? You know, leadership doesn't stop. When the helicopter lands, leadership is at home in garrison during training, being sensitive to the needs of your of your team that you're leading. And that includes healthy family life and healthy home balance. And so being able to blend some of those elements in was really exciting. And make no mistake, this is still some door kicking, ass kicking, terror shooting action books. But it just gives another layer of character and relationship that we could bring to the story. You know, you two are the probably the most interesting and dynamic type of writers I know, because it's a it's a team, it's a partnership, it's a marriage, almost. How do these difficult conversations happen between you two? Is it a telephone call? Is it a text? What are what is your communication lines like? Because I've, I've I know I think I've asked you this in the beginning, and you're like we were, you know, this is before we were friends. I'm like, now nah, tell me what the real deal is. Is it like, man, what are you doing? Or is it like, Hey, you know, mm, I don't really like that idea. Or let's talk the dynamic. Our dynamic is we tend, well, we talk two, three times a day. Uh, it's usually on the phone. Um, you know, sometimes we'll be texting, but most of the work is done just over the phone. And we have conversations very much like this. And it's usually prompted because you're writing something and you start to get stuck or you start to worry about, you know, am I, am I representing this problem the right way? Am I going down the right path? And instead of wasting a bunch of time, 
you know, trying to put a bunch of words on the page, we stop. We call the other guy. We get his input and we talk through it. And so what one of the things that you you brought up before in our pre-interview conversation is the idea of service and sacrifice. And we started Jeff and Jeff actually brought up, he's like, you know, I think you have this baby boomer generation, and they very much looked at service as a sacrifice and something that you suffered your service in in silence, right? You you wore it sort of as a badge of honor, but we didn't talk about it. And so we said, you know, this book has millennial characters for the first first time in our series. One of our main characters, she's a millennial. <laughs> and the millennials kind of get a bad rap of being, you know, hey, it's all about me. Um, you know, what can you do for me? And we said, you know, what if we have a character who is a millennial and she looks at her service, not as a sacrifice, but as she's aligned her purpose, you know, so it's my passion to serve. I'm, I don't consider it a sacrifice. Well, will leadership look at her and say, is her service any valued, valued less because she's not talking about what an impact it has and how, what a big sacrifice it is. It's a paradigm shift, but I think it, it matters when you're talking about generations of people serving in this same military force, right? It does. We're looking at 20 years of war now too. And that's a reality, you know, I'm a nineties, uh, army dude, then, uh, post nine 11 army dude. I know you guys are up there with age with me. It's like, what's different. It's weird to think that when I went to war, it was like, uh, 16 years ago, 15, 16 years ago. And to think that like, that's, like generational man. And like when you joined like post nine 11, you know, you're going to war. Even yeah. now, you know, when you're joining, you don't know where you're going to end up. And it's not like, Hey, I'm going to go join and sacrifice my life for the country. It's like, no, I'm going to join. Cause I want to do this. Well, and that's a great segue into another one of the themes we wanted to weave in here, which is the idea that, you know, here we are in a war, a global war on terror that has been going on for two decades, right? So that means that if you look at your, your young infantry guy, your young army infantry, marine infantry guy, there are people getting ready to deploy who have just finished their first workup who were not born before 9-11. They've never known a war or a world rather before this war. And that was an interesting question we wanted to tackle here too, the generational thing, not just the difference between boomers and millennials and Gen Z and all that stuff, but well, how is it different for a, uh, a warrior who has never known a world not at war with terrorism? But here's, the, here's the, the flip side of that. What would it be like for your antagonist? What is the new generation of terrorists? Okay. Yeah. So the 25-year-old terrorist running a cell in Yemen or you know Africa or wherever they're operating, they're not the same as their dad and their granddad. And we wanted to weave that into this story. These new, this new generation, they have a different way of thinking. They have a different approach to technology. We've seen this with, with ISIL, right? We've seen this with the new Al-Qaeda offshoots. They use social media differently. They use platforms differently. They use technology differently. And so that gave us an opportunity to say, you know, we started with the idea of here's this new generation of warriors. Well, it's a new generation of bad guys too. What would that look like? Uh, and so the whole premise of the book became... Um, you know, what is this new generation on both sides? 
these guys aren't going to just sit up in the Hindu Kush and, you know, throw rocks at us. They're going to use technology to their advantage. So the, the basic what if question, which we've talked before, we always start with that. What if the bad guys had access to some of the powerful technologies of war that we have, such as drones? What if there was a way that a group of well-educated, highly motivated zealots on the terrorist side could get that technology? What would they would do with it and how could we respond? And so that became, you know, we had that little spark of starting off the SEAL team. Then we had this little thing of new generation. Then all those little embers became a huge flame when we asked that question and the story took off from there. Yeah, a, a Predator drone is going to cost, you know, 30 plus million dollars. And it's inside the U.S. defense, you know, contractor industry. We control who those drones are sold to. But guess what? You look up on the internet, there's a Chinese pterodactyl drone that looks a lot like a predator drone. In fact, almost exactly like a predator drone. And that drone, you know, we don't have control over where it's sold. And oh, by the way, the price tag instead of $30 million is $2 million. So now you're starting to get into the realm of could bad guys buy this thing on the black market? And if they did, you know, now you have a battle space where we've had an asymmetric advantage for the past two decades and largely because of our drone technology. And now if you start, like Jeff said, if you start to, what happens when you erode that asymmetric advantage by incorporating technology Uh that's previously unavailable? Uh, you got me. I'm sold. I'm ready. Let's, <laughs> I'm ready to listen to it, read it and everything, because I just finished Jack Carr's book. I finished all your tier one books. Um, I'm ready. I need a new book. I can't be just, you know, I've, I've read the greenies. I, I just, I'm ready. And now you have me Ray really Porter, intrigued. Yeah, I'm like, Ray Porter, Ray Porter will be reading this series. Oh, you're killing me. <laughs> I'm the, you better. Are you, are you writing part two, second book? Okay, good. Because I'm not dealing with this where I have to wait another year. Okay. (laughs) Well, you'll have to wait another year for that book. But the good news is we have so many damn series now that you're going to get a new book from Andrews and Wilson about every three or four months for the next few years. So, Um, Are you guys sleeping anytime? That's one thing I want to know. Do you just read and sleep and write and I don't even know what's going on with you too. Yeah, that's right. Do that again. That's just like the meme. (laughs) Yes, yeah. like the meme that you see on social media, that's us right now. But well, it's, you know, we're not complaining. It's, it's a good problem to have. We're very blessed. I think it's time for the big announcement. I think we've already seen it. Oh, yeah, that's right. There's the, here's the next book in September, by the way. Oh, and by the way, I have a copy of that upstairs. Great. So I'm going to go check that out. Uh, what do I got? Well, I got, um, oh, here it is. I don't have one of yours yet, but let's talk about what's going on. Bone frog, bone frog coffee. We we're talking about that today. What's the what's the big announcement, guys? Jeff, let's see it. Let's see it. Oh, is he frozen? Oh, he froze right at the the perfect time. It's like a dramatic <laughs> suspense. <laughs> I love it. Uh, with dramatic. So, what's that big announcement? What do we got going on? We're not, you know, here's my bone frog, but I I don't have one of those very special ones. Well, there is a special one coming. You know, we um, met Tim and David at Bonefrog Coffee who are sponsoring this episode, um, and we fell in love with their 
personalities with their passion, not just for coffee and wine, you know, being a team guy, he does everything 150%. So it's the best coffee you've ever had in your life. And it really is guys, the best coffee and the best wine, but he has such a heart for service. He has such a passion for the community. They use so much of their money, as you said, to, uh, to support the community. And so a partnership sort of formed with us just wanting to help them and, and be part of their network. And from that grew this, the best blend of coffee, I would argue, that they have ever produced, which is Bonefrog's Sons of Valor blend. This is a medium to dark blend of uh. coffee. Um, like all their coffee, a bag of this coffee is going to uh, get sold and the proceeds are going to be used to support uh, a number of special warfare community charities. So we would encourage you to go to bonefrog bonefrogcoffee.com or to Andrews and Wilson uh, to our gear store. So it's andrews-wilson-gear.com. Uh, and we'll have the coffee available there. But we're excited about, well, first of all, it's really cool to have a brand of coffee, right? That's just super, super cool. And of course, it's the best coffee they've ever made. Like, how could it not be? It's Sun's Well, you know, eventually they're going to have a protector's brand coffee. Yes, right? That'll be the best. And it'll be... And it'll be almost as good as this. But, I will. I will cut you. I listen. Right. I will cut you off right there. I ordered the wine. I don't drink anymore, but my wife does, and her friends, and they, boom, it's awesome. It's great. I. Uh, but the coffee, I drink coffee like it's going out of style, and I love. I have a little coffee set up down here in the office now. I don't use the pods down here, and I love their coffee. I really do. I need something. I need that medium, the dark roast, because that's just, that's me. I love it. I could drink their coffee all day long. And it's, it is really a good, fresh coffee. That's one thing about it is it does have the, if you look on the back of the coffee, it's very fresh coffee. And I do give them a lot of props, especially for what they're doing for the community. Well, Jason, I will tell you that we will get you a bag of Sons of Valor coffee, and we'll even get you your own Sons of Valor mug that you can drink that coffee in. Yes. Yes, I uh, I need one. I can't reach my coffee cup. You know, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, you know, we're not just trying to move merch here, but these are also available. Oh some, yeah. Now, but the thing is, it's it, they're doing a lot of good things. You guys are doing great things. I love chatting with you. I wish we could chat longer. Um, we will have you back on again, and I do want to. You know, we should do a big roundtable and get those guys on from Bonefrog, and we'll talk. We'll talk about That'd charities. Be a lot of fun, yeah, talk, talk about, about charities, charity. talk about everything yeah. else going on, and and and, yeah. and just to reiterate, we don't make a we don't make a penny off of the coffee. A hundred percent of our proceeds go to the charitable causes that Bonefrog contributes to. So absolutely, and that's what I like about it. Bonefrog is up and coming. Uh, they're doing they're doing it for the right reasons. It is a business, but they are the proceeds are going out the door. It's not like they're going to keep these. They're going to make a lot of money off this stuff. The proceeds are going to the right places. They're not just big conglomerate and they are very approachable and are a bunch of good dudes. So are you two. I really appreciate everything you're doing. I'm going to listen to Ray Porter spit out some really good. It's like a movie, man. I'm telling you, Ray Porter is top of the game. It's like, I, I can't get really like when I'm rocking out there and stuff, I'm like, doo, doo, doo. I feel like I'm in a movie. I'm like, this is badass. like a 13 hour movie. Yeah. yeah, man. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks, it's always good to see you, Jason. Anything we can do for you, let us know.